Praise the Lord. We're so grateful for that today. We know that that did not come to us without a tremendous price that our Lord would be willing to pay it for us. Let's read today, if you would, in Romans chapter 8. Scriptures we've been looking at for several services. In Romans 8, Ephesians 1, and also Ephesians 3. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, which is predetermine their destiny, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians 1, 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, in himself. Ephesians 3.10 To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church. The church. Think of what God has planned for the church. The manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh my, don't we appreciate that today. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for these passages that we have just read. We could say amen right now and go home and say, it was good to be in the house of God, to hear the songs sang, testimonies, prayer requests that have been made known, and things that you've done just already. We count it such a privilege. But Father, we believe that you have something for us today from your word, from your heart. We are thankful, Lord, for the service last night. Appreciate you once again reminding us, Lord, that our promises are right here. They're in the building. So we believe today, Father, that though the needs of your ch children would be so many, but Lord God, we believe your power is greater. My heart now, Lord, I, I think of the different needs around the world that I'm conscious of, Lord, so many in uh, different countries that's going through so much difficulty, shutdowns again, Lord, and I pray for Brother Stephen Francis and his family there in South Africa, Lord, with the COVID, we just ask for your mercy there. You know the riots and things that's been taking place there, Lord, and hearing from different brothers how bad it's been, so we pray for your mercy. We know it's a sign of the end time. Violence is going to appear on the earth. But Father, we pray for protection and mercy for your children. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We look forward to what you'll say to us today. We ask that you just bless us now together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I know the word is used, and I guess I might as well say abused as well. The word, the church, certainly when it was written in these earlier days, the first century, these places that we've just read, they thought something totally different than we think today. When we say the church, 
many of us will say, which one? How many churches did you pass on your way to here today? And they were called this church, that church, another church. We even have it in our own ranks of different names, different titles that are given. And it's because of this tradition and so much error and fallacy that makes it so hard for us because we've had 2,000 years of the abuse of this word called church. But if we could somehow this morning be able to go back a little bit and think the word that it would have been so precious to the children of God in the first century. They were not polluted in the way that we are of the abuse of many things, really, when it comes to religion. They would not have had to pass a whole big bunch of churches to be able to go to the house of God. They would have gathered this very day on the first day of the week. Today, it's a sad day for Israel as a nation. For those of you that know much about the history of Israel and Jerusalem, you know that today is the ninth day of their Hebrew months by which the first temple was destroyed. I think 586 maybe B.C. The first temple destroyed on this day. And what's amazing is the second temple, which was the same one the Lord Jesus stood in, was also destroyed this very same day. So it happened that both temples were destroyed on the exact same day. This is the same day of their Hebrew months that the children of Israel heard the spies as they came and gave the report. Two of them gave a good report. Ten, of course, gave a bad report. They went into their tents and they began to cry and lament because God said, you will not go into this land. It's exactly the same day today. During this same time was whenever many of the Jews were driven or out of England, out of the Spanish Inquisition as well. So we know that there are certainly times and seasons by which we can recollect and remember. For them, it's a very sad day. It began a few hours ago. They will fast for about 25 hours. They will not be allowed to sit on a seat. They will not be allowed to stand very long. They will not be allowed to sit on a very high seat at all, only on the floor and on low seats. They will lament. They will cry. They will fast. They will try to understand what happened to them. I hope and pray that God will help us, that we never look back in retrospect and think, what happened to us as a church? What happened to us as a family? What happened to us as a move that at one time God was with us and God was among us, but he's no longer there. You see, the children of Israel, many of them to this very day, still do not understand exactly why they have been treated the way they have. Through the centuries, they have been hunted down. They've been uh, called all kinds of names and been treated badly. And they still don't understand it because the veil is on their hearts. And the veil, of course, will be taken away once the Messiah reveals himself. But here, he's been revealed for 2,000 years, and they're 2,000 years behind. So we can see that God will allow his word to be repeated. So no doubt they thought by being called the children of Israel that they would always have the hand of God. 
They would always have the blessing of God, the peace of God. It's the same with this body today that we call the church. Now, for many, we know by historical events that through the church ages, that there's been 2,000 years in succession of those church ages. It's happened exactly the same thing in the New Testament as it was in the Old. Every generation had their chance at revival. After the time of the judges, then God began to break into the dispensation of using a prophet, and a prophet would come, he would speak the word, would bring the elect of that day back to the word, then it wouldn't hardly be the time to pass that prophet was already gone from the earth, they would start dwindling away. And it would be the same thing repeated over and over again from the Old Testament. Into the New Testament, it started happening exactly the same way. God would send a church-age messenger. Out from under that messenger would go forth those that are taught. They begin to expound his message and share it abroad. And many of those, of course, did not remember how important it was to say only what the messenger had spoken. They begin to add here, take away there. The word was no longer pure, and the revival died, and they start forming this organization, that organization run by men. It's been exactly the same way now for 2,000 years. Now, here we are in the last message that will ever come from God to the Gentiles. I hate to say it. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But the same cycle of revival has struck this move as well. Because people have chosen men to be their leader instead of being led by the Holy Ghost. By that, you know that I do not believe that we're not to have ministry and so on. But ministers are sent to be our servants. They are not sent to be our lords. They are not sent to be king over the bride, but they are sent to minister to the bride as a shepherd would be over the sheep, which means correction and feeding and many things. But God never exalted men to become into the place that many of them desire to be. God never ordained any man to be a pope over the body. God never ordained any man to be a Lord over the body of Christ. Can the church say amen to that? So whenever we start reading this and the church is in its infancy and whenever they would hear the word church, to them it would have been processed in the primitive era and how that they would have looked at it. So they wouldn't have passed a Baptist church, a Methodist church, Pentecostal church, Catholic church. There was no such a thing. Now, they might have traveled 500 miles before they would ever see another church. And then, even at that, it would have not, in the primitive stage, been like this. In other words, there would have been no sign out on the Appian Way, which would have led into Rome. There would have been no sign out there with Happy Valley Church and my name on the bottom of it, and it was all lit up. No, in the first days, they would have been meeting in the catacombs, which I've stood there, in Rome and they would have been meeting in the rich folks that would have allowed them to have the upper room because the upper room would have been the coolest room and they would have allowed them because it was used as a banqueting room there together for church. And the Bible refers to several of these instances by where they was greeted by the church that was in their house. So their house was not the church, but the church gathered in their house, and that's what made it a church house. Praise the Lord. 
So to them, the word church would have been more on the mystical side than it would have been on the local natural side. But that does not do away with the Lord having set this force in his New Testament that there would be the mystical side of the bride, the body, and there would also be the local side of the bride body. And we know, as we've looked at it already a couple of services, that the major, the two major images which would be projected that the bride, the body would be identified would be as a family and also as a body. The body will display the ministerial aspect of the Lord Jesus in his body. By this, he will be able to carry out his work, which he started 2,000 years ago. As a family, they will be identified as an intimate, more close many times than a natural family would be. They are identified as a group of believers that love one another and their love is actually thicker than blood. It is thicker than mama, daddy, brother, sister, aunt, uncle. It's a bond that's really hard to explain unless you have it. But the body side would show the side of the Lord Jesus ministering to the body and to those who've not yet been born into the body. And he chose the way of using Paul, uh, which was the most explicit one in the New Testament, to identify this. And he would take the human members of the natural body and he would show this great mystical body that God had on the earth. It would be called the family of God, the house of God, the body of God, the church of God, the church of Christ. It would be called many, many things. But it would show that the Lord Jesus as the living head would be set over this mystical and natural body on the earth. And the Lord Jesus would declare to the body what they were to do in every age. So he would catch one man in that age and project the message of that day to that one man then that one man would go forth and declare it. But the prophet tells us before that proclamation was made, for it made full circle around the earth, men would come in and say they believed that and they would start their own little thing because they were actually kingdom builders instead of building the kingdom of Christ which is a very foolish thing for a man to do. Why in the world would a man want to build a little bitty old tiny kingdom on the earth when he could be a part of building the greatest kingdom that has ever been on the earth? To me, it makes absolutely no sense. But yet we know there are men that are like that. And they will be the twin of every move. So they will declare themselves to be the voice of God. They will declare themselves to have the truth. And if you are the bride, then you will be a part of them. And if you're not a part of them, well, they take the authority to excommunicate you and say that you are not the bride. And the thing of it is, the bride will be saying something very similar herself. And what does it produce? Two trumpets that are sounding exact opposites, and they are both, of course, given for a divine purpose. One will gather those who are not elect. The other will gather those who are the predestinated seed of God. They might get caught up in this era and this doctrine for a while, but they will hear the voice of God because they are sheep. 
and they will come to a true recognition of what God has for their day that they live in. So the Lord Jesus was not only the living head, but he is to be the living bread in every age. Now, when the Lord Jesus said there in St. John 6, that I am that bread which came down from heaven. Now, the Jews, of course, were so rejoicing and they were eating of the kosher and the manna and type of the bread and they were drinking from the water that spurted up there and they were rejoicing of what God had done thousands of years ago. And the Lord Jesus broke in on their traditional worship and he said, I am that true bread which came down from heaven. Now he said, Moses never gave you that bread, but my father gave you that bread. Now then he says, but I am the true bread which came down from heaven, and if any man will eat of me, he will never die. And no doubt they looked at him at such a peculiar look on their face, thinking, what in the world is this man saying? Now he went on for several verses there in St. John 6, verses 48 down to 55 and on down. In verse 6, he went on into another aspect of it. And he began to set forth of a great mystery that even the apostles no doubt didn't understand at the time because they were not born again. And the word there that the Lord Jesus used was the exact same word that Paul used here in the word purpose, and that was the bread of his face. So the Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of Adonai's face. I am the bread of the face of his presence. I was ever before him. I was there. And I have been sent down to the earth that my people may partake of me and by eating of me, they will be revitalized into eternal life. Now, of course, the disciples, they caught a little bit of it and they said, Lord, well, evermore give us of this bread. Others heard it and they said, well, this man give us his flesh to eat. Is this man a vampire as it was that we drink his blood? Does he expect us to be cannibals? And of course, we know on down in St. John 6, verse 66, 666, that the Bible says many of his disciples turned away from following him and never followed him anymore. There's your mark of the beast. Because it's those who are invited, they may not be bride, but they are invited to share even under the canopy of his presence and they turn it down and then God will deal with them accordingly. But remember that that within itself, of course, was in his divine providence and he knew that people would do that. Now, before we go into this about the body, let us go back for just a few moments, if we can, into the realm of eternity before there was ever any elements of time. There would have not been any oak wood like this is made out of. There would have not been any maple like these white uh, columns are made out of. There would have not been any light meters. There was no fabric of any sort. There was no clouds. There was no matter, no cosmic light. There was no time. There was absolutely nothing but the eternal. And the eternal wanted to project himself in a many-fold aspect of his attributes. And he began to think of what he wanted to become and what he wanted us to become. 
Now, it may seem very strange to us, but he actually thought about himself and he wanted to make himself a human being. Now, all I've been all of my life is a human being, but I want to be something else. Why? Because my experience in my 65 years of being a human being has been one of pain and sadness and sorrow and, and sickness and trouble. Oh yes, it's, it's had joy, it's had happiness, it's had great peace and all of that, but the reality is I'm living under the law of contrast, so I have light and darkness. I have health and I have sickness. I have good times, I have bad times. So my lot as a human is as yours has been, has been this mixed bag of having both of these. But the eternal thought of himself as being a human, and he knew that by becoming a human, he also must partake of the mixture of the good and the bad, the day and the night, the praise and the cursing, the adoration and the fault finding. He must deal with all this contrast and he must stand in the middle himself. But he did not just think of himself as being a human for 33 years but he thought of himself of that developing into not only a body that would be in time, but he would crown that body of time with eternal life. And he would actually dwell in this body through the ceaseless ages in eternity. The Lord Jesus did not think about us just being in this expanse of time that we know it and being sick and well and happy and sad. And that, that was not the extent of his thought. But his thought went beyond this element here. But while we're here, we're expressing things about him and about us. I love this in the future home. Paragraph 129, now in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Three stages. It was an attribute first, was in God, that he thought of himself as being human. Now watch this, he thought of himself as being human. And when that happened, that transmitted him down to be Jesus. Now through this act of transmission, is where we get what we've been talking about for so long, this great work of kenosis. So in the three stages of this, it was the attribute, then we go into the stage of the transmission, and then the transmitted thought becoming a person, a human being. And then that human being giving his life for the rest of his attributes, and then that body becoming glorified with eternal life. So in the transmission, now think of it, that in the transmission, the act of kenosis takes place. So he thought of himself of being a human. Then that transmitted him down to be the Lord Jesus. 
in the act, we know how it is with even radio waves and frequencies and things like that, that such things are happening right through this building this morning. Now, we know that through the streaming, and thank the Lord for it, there are people all over the world today that are um, enjoying church with us because many of them in Europe and different places, they've already had church. So they're able to stream the service. And whenever something goes out of my mouth, in a matter of seconds, they're able to stream it in France and, and Germany and Belgium and different parts of the world. How, how is that possible? It's transmitted. Now, several years ago, I was in a, in a place preaching in a past office and they have the the audio part of their streaming right in another off in another room right where I was setting so the desk where I was setting was say right here and right over there would have been the other room where they had it a transmission room and there as they was up singing and they was leading the service I would hear what they were saying about 10 seconds later now I would hear them say it over the speaker up in the ceiling. And then I would hear it through the transmission room. So it was like a delay. And I, it, was, it was really kind of odd because I got done preaching and I walked, walked in off the platform. And whenever I walked in off the platform in there to, to change my clothes, I was still preaching in the transmission room. So that was very strange. So you understand what I'm talking about. So there was something about the transmission that put a delay in the signal getting that. Well, this is the way God knew about himself that he could not be transmitted and retain all that greatness that he was, but he must lay it aside in order to reach who? Those who had a receiver. Well, we know how the transmission works and no matter how many signals and frequencies and so on that they are and no matter how much we make it available for people to be able to stream, it won't do any good if they don't go to, you know, the Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ and they go there and they go through the simple steps of clicking on. If they do, then they're able to hear what you're hearing right now. But it could be their every day of their life and if they never access it, it wouldn't do them any good. So it's the same way that God thought of himself as being a human and that transmitted him down. So we break now into the realm of eternity which is where Einstein was able to break into it without the spiritual application that a prophet would have and saying that if a man would be able to travel from the earth and moving at the speed of light and he'd be gone for how many ever years it was out into that realm and then come back to the earth all that time in his journey all of that time of being there and then his time coming back and he would come back to the earth and he would be gone hundreds and hundreds of thousands thousands of years in light space and yet he would come back to the earth and only be gone 50 years. So you think, how would it be? Well, traveling 186,000 miles per second, and then you would multiply that by hours, and then you would go into the distance that he would travel. The man broke into eternity. So the time on earth being transmitted from eternity actually breaks it where it slows down. And this is why dimensional travel will never be available to us. The Air Force, all oh, they're working on uh, the different planes right now that they say will travel at mile six, which is over 4,000 miles an hour. They're working on hypersonic missiles, which will travel, they say, at Mach 3, which is a great achievement for science, but they'll never be able to break into
to that ability to travel by dimensional travel. But the Lord God did, and he traveled this thought, traveled from eternity, and come down into a city, hallelujah, where there was a little virgin girl there, and she was traveling over to a well to get water. And God transmitted himself down by the message of an angel, and then sometime after that, the Spirit of God overshadows her, and she conceives of the eternal. Now the eternal then come into this captivity of time, the same thing now that we are in. Now this, as I said, is all we have ever known, but can, we, we can't even imagine how it would be if you were the eternal and you lived in an eternal realm and you never looked at a watch and you never had a clock on the back wall and you never had an alarm clock, you never had anything to do with time at all. It was just all eternity. You wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't like you could remember yesterday. There wasn't a yesterday today and there wasn't a tomorrow. It was all exactly the same. But God knew in order to transmit himself down that in that transmission he would actually be capsulated himself. And encapsulated in this element of time, he would have to slow down everything that he was. He would have to change everything dealing with eternal into time. So that part then, the Lord Jesus, and I know it stumbles people even to this day, that the Lord Jesus, when he was so submitted to this, that he said, I do nothing except what my Father shows me. Now what do we find? We find him speaking out of a time capsule, which was his earthly body. You see, in the realm of eternity, he was not a human, but he was the Logos, which was burst out of the great light, which is Father God. But in there, he had no age, he had no birthday, he had no time, so it was the realm of eternity. But when he come down here, you imagine him slowing down so slow that he allowed himself to grow, and he starts as an embryo in her womb, and then he grows six weeks, eight weeks, two months, three months, and then he comes up to the full term and Mary gives birth to this baby and whenever this baby comes forth, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes as we heard about last night and he yelled and he screamed out and here was Jesus, Jesus being born of a woman and he could not defend for himself, he could not change his own diaper, He could not feed himself. What had he done? He had fully embraced time. You see, he was not full born. Now, Adam was created full born. He was not created a little baby and then grew, but he was created a man. You understand? But the Lord Jesus wanted to so encapsulate himself in time that he would slow down his knowledge, he would slow down divinity, he would slow down everything about himself, and he had to learn. He had to learn how to take his fingers and and just move his hands, and he would have to learn. Can you imagine? Almighty God thinking about himself as being a human. So he allowed himself, and the Bible tells us in Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature before God and man. Is that your Bible? Now what did he do? He fully embraced.
embrace the encapsulation of time so that he would allow himself. Can you imagine coming from the great sphere of the great eternal in knowing everything, absolutely everything that ever was and ever would be, but to fully embrace time, he would have to allow his knowledge, his feelings, his emotions, his ability to cry, his ability, imagine the Lord Jesus as, as a little baby Jesus, I should say, that he was not even able to hold a bottle. He was not even able to reach up and grab a hold to Mary's finger. You know, just as any other ordinary child, and he looked like any ordinary baby. But what did God do? God had embraced the encapsulation of time by this one coming to the earth, which was who? Himself in another form. Now he transmitted himself down to become Jesus. Watch how the prophet said, he thought of himself as being human and that transmitted him down to be Jesus. Now I hope you don't just fall plumb out of your seat today. But actually every other son and daughter of God would come a similar path. Now he come the regular line, he come from the thought into the expression of the word, and then he become amorphe, which was in a theophany body. A celestial body, had you and I been birthed in that, we would have known all things as well. But he come that regular line of the divine attribute of God, but God made it so that we would bypass the theophany. So how did we get here? We come from the thought of God, and that transmitted us down to being Donnie, Harry, Jim, Joe, Carol, Fred, you know, Mary, whoever you are. Now, whenever you were born unlike him, you were born in this sinful body because of your parents. But that did not change the identity of the attribute that God spoke into you. So that transmitted you down to be, as I said, whatever you are and whatever your name is. Notice then, now he goes back about the Lord Jesus. If you will ever be there, you was in him then. If you will ever be there, you was in him then. For there's only one form of eternal life and that's God. And you had to be a part of God at the beginning. Not what you just chose down here. He chose you. Before you ever even had a, a sense, a brain, intelligence to choose, he chose you. All that the Father has given me will come to me. Now what's this in you must be born again? If your father is God and you're born in the family of God, you seek those things that pertain to God, that's right, then you are God's child. Your nature is God's nature. Now, unlike, unlike uh, you know, the part of the Lord Jesus, we still have our human nature as well as having the new birth nature by the predestinated seed. Now, if that was taken care of, all church problems and all family problems would be totally eradicated. But why do we still have problems among us and arguments and things like that? It's not the contrasting of the divine nature, but it is the contrasting of human natures. You're natured one way, I'm another. 
and we would disagree on this or that or the other. Yet if we're born again, our nature is exactly the same because it's of God. That's when some, you can hear them, some of them say, oh, our church believes the days of miracles is past. How could you believe the days of miracles is past when the very nature of God is in you? And when he's altogether miracle, not only is he, but you are. His nature's miracle, his habit's miracle, his whole being is miracle. How can you be anything else but miracle? Oh, praise God. Your new birth is miracle. Your new life is miracle. Even your nature's a miracle. How can you look back and say them things are dead? That is right. You're a new creature, a new creation. So you can imagine then for the majority of denominational people who don't believe in miracles, they don't believe in new births. That's the phenomenal part about it. They deny the very thing they said they have because they believe nothing about miracles. Well, if there are no miracles, then we're all lost and we're going to hell. Because we are a miracle is why we can believe in miracles. Now what's this in God's chosen place? It brings it into the, it merges the mystical and the natural body together. By birth, we are baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. By the Holy Spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And what is the body? In the beginning was the word. So what is the mystical body of Christ? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice this, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How can we be in that body and deny one word of it? Now, look, friends, I know sometimes you frown on me whenever I say people that deny this and this and this of the word, they can't be born again. Well, I'm just basking that, backing it rather, by what the prophet said. If the word is your father, how can you be born again and deny one thing in that word? You cannot do it. Because the word is the begetto power that's brought you to him. How can it be in that body and deny one word of it or place it off somewhere else? Well, God did have preachers, but he don't have them no more. Well, you're testifying that you're not born again when you say that. Because neither the Bible nor the message projects such nonsense. How can we ever do it? Notice now he says in paragraph 88, now notice when you're truly baptized into him, the true evidence is that you believe him, the word, how can you be a part of him and deny him? How can I deny my hand being my hand? If I do, there is something mentally wrong with me. Well, when folks go to picking through the scripture, picking through the message, they want this or that or the other, there's something both mentally and spiritually wrong with them. I don't need this, I don't need that, I want this. This is not a smorgasbord. This is a table where he pre-prepares our meals. You can't deny one letter of him. Notice what people deny when they deny and leave out scriptures. They are denying one letter of him. You cannot deny one letter of him because you become part of the same. And you're part of him because you're baptized into him by the Holy Spirit has brought you into the body of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. And the church said, 
Notice this, in God's provided place, now in Shreveport, by one spirit we're all baptized into that one body, and that body is a family. So here we have to where these both instruments of God are merged into one thing, one a body and another a family, and the aspect of the ministerial part of the Lord Jesus. So that, that body is a family, the family of God, and that's the house of God. And the house of God is the name of Jesus Christ. So the house of God is the name of Jesus Christ. So it brings us back to the gospel in John where Jesus said, Father, I have manifested thy name to those men that thou hast given to be with me. But we never have record in the gospels where the Lord Jesus ever went out around saying the name Jesus. And yet that was the Father's name. So manifesting the Father's name is not just saying Jesus. People can holler Jesus, scream Jesus all they want to. You know, for many people in their society, Jesus is just a byword. Oh, for Christ's sake, for Jesus, this and that and the other. But to us, it is not a byword. It is the name of our husband. It is the name of the house of God. It is our name. I said it is our name. Now, watch this, so the body is a family and it's the house of God and the house of God is the name of Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. This is why the bride will never go through the tribulation period. She'll go into a rapture because she's baptized into the body of the Lord Jesus. What God did in that human temple, he will now take care of in the mystical body of Christ. The human temple suffered the judgment of God in order to redeem the mystical body from any further tribulation period. And what did he do? He raised up that human temple and glorified that human temple and he's fixing to glorify the mystical temple like he did the human one. I chose to put my name at the door of the house of my worship, for my family will be gathered in there under the blood like it was in Egypt. Anything outside that died, and in there there's no leavened bread, there's no denominational mixture in it anywhere. My house, my children, born of my genes, amen, glory to God, my genes are in them. Oh, you don't have Baptist genes, Methodist genes, Presbyterian genes, Catholic genes. If you're a child of God, you've got the genes of God in you. Now, if you've got the genes of God, the gene of God in you must be birthed. It must come by the breath of God. I mean, no, that's the way God breathes eternal life, of course, into Adam. And the prophet tells us in 1962, every one of us that are born again are born by the breath of God. That's what took place on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just some natural wind that come through the window. It was the breath of God. Remember in St. John, the Lord Jesus breathed upon the disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Where did the Holy Ghost come from? The breath of God. Where do you get the, where do you get it from? You don't get it from an organ cranked up real high. You don't get it from a guitar picking real loud. You get it the same way they got it, the breath of God. And when the breath of God breathes on you personally, he breathes life. Oh, glory to God. He breathes life into that and you become a living soul. 
God breathed into Adam and he became an eternal person with God. When God breathes his own life into you, your soul, which was laying down that nature, which had been there for years and years, God breathed into that gene seed, eternal life, and you became a living soul. Oh, praise God. Becoming a living soul, then you actually start growing and you become a part of the body. And it's about like a little something about the size of a button that starts out in that innermost being of yours. God does not give you a great big dump load of it, you know, like a big uke truck or something like that, but it must grow. Why? You're coming the same way the Lord Jesus did. The Lord Jesus grew. He grew in understanding. He grew in in all of those things. And how are you going to come? Exactly the same way. But as you are doing it, you're already baptized into the body with a quickened gene and you're in the name of God, which is the house of God, which is the family of God. Notice my house, my children born of my genes. Amen, glory to God. My genes are in them. I put my word in them. I write them upon the tables of their heart. That's my family. The family of the body of Jesus Christ the family. Paragraph 236. The place that I chose to put my name, you shall not worship in any other gate, but in the gate that I put my name, then I will receive you, then you're in my family. Now it's not enough to come here and be a part of our church family. We welcome you, certainly, and we want you to come here if that's what you feel in your heart to do. But you could be a part of the church family of Happy Valley and not be a part of the family of God because we could welcome you and shake your hand and say, what's your name? And Well, we're looking for a church. Well, you're welcome to come here. The deacons could shake your hand and then the church members could go to you and say, God bless you. Uh, would you like to go eat lunch together something like that, and we could welcome you into the family. That's part of the church family. But only the Lord God himself can give birth to another son or daughter of God. I cannot do it, other men cannot do it. Only God can breathe on you the breath of eternal life and birth you into the family. Now what's this? I love the way he types this in the natural sense. We live in our home like Branham's live. You live in your home, the Joneses, like the Joneses live. Now this is a very simple type, but yet it bears great relevance, I think, to exactly seeing the body. Now take for instance, whenever me and Harry was being raised at home, our father, Don Reagan, our mother, Betty Reagan, and we lived in a real old house, it was in really, really bad shape, but mom and daddy got a loan through the FHA, and they was able to build a new house. Now, I don't mind telling you, it was just absolutely something because we had no running water in that other place and uh, it was just a rough old place. That's all there is to it. Uh, But one day we was able to move into that little brick house about 1,200 feet, something like that. Three bedroom brick with running water and all the niceties that go with it. But yet we lived in that old house and we had to kind of learn a few things how to live in the new house. So it had an outside bathroom, of course, and it did not have running water 
water for a while. It just had an old cistern pump, an old sucker pump there in the back, and the water bucket would freeze. It didn't have central heat. The only thing was central about it was it was that pot belly stove sitting in the middle of the living room. So that was central heat. Central air was you put the piece of paper in the middle of your hand and you sat there and fanned it. So that was central air. So that was the accommodations that we had. So we had to get used to that. And then we had a thermostat, you know, on the wall and the baseboard heaters and things like that. So we had to kind of relearn how to live in that house. Now, we were not born again, but we were taken out of the whole house and put into that new house. Now, so it is in the family of God that we live in this life in the captivity of sin, in the bondage of darkness of the world. We drink, we lie, we steal, we cheat, we run around, do whatever we want to do, and then we're born again. So that gene on the inside becomes quickened by the breath of God. It places us in a new house. Now that house, they don't live the way sinners live. Now whenever, me being the oldest, when Carol and I got married, then we moved out and we started having our own house. Now Carol come from a norm in her house, I come from the norm in my house, and we would not be able to bring actually 100% my norm and 100% of her norm and make a new norm. It won't work that way. But we brought part of mine and part of hers, and then we made a new normal. And then a couple years after we got married, we had our first little baby girl, Alicia, up to that time, I wanted a boy. I wanted a boy with all my heart. Man alive, I thought there couldn't be nothing like a boy until I had my firstborn daughter. And I said, you can have all them stinking boys you want. I found out girls is pretty precious things too. That's exactly right. And I still feel the same way about it. But now whenever, didn't Erica come along a few years later? But when Lish fell in love with Scotty, then they got married. Then what did they do? Scotty come from a different norm than Lish had. So they come together and they started creating their own norm. Now their house is run by Babs. That's the way Babs do things. They think about it this way and they do this and they do that. Well, they come up to our house to eat or to do whatever and we don't change over and become Babs while they're there. And if we go to their house, neither do we convert you know, back to them or them convert back to us, but we learn how to associate and we're still of the same family. And the broader that our family gets, the more that it grows. One day our granddaughters will become married, no doubt, and they will have children and it'll, the families just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So each of us will develop the way we do. So we say, well, mom and daddy and say, listen, and Erica could say, well, mom and daddy did this and this and this in the house. Well, we're not going to do that here because we're Parkers over the hill. And then listen, Scotty said, well, we're Babs up the hill. So we, we do the way Babs do. And this is the way that many people have tried to do religion. They've tried to say, well, we're part of the family of God, but around here we act like Methodist. We're part of the family of God, but around here we act like Church of Christ. Only one word missing out of that, and that is anti. Well, you see, no matter where you're from, whether you're from the hills of Mexico or whether you're from the, your Congolese from Congo, if you're born into the family of God, we should have something that no other family on the earth has, and that is the same spiritual DNA. And it should be the same love for the word no matter where you are from. 
You see, being around the world and traveling different parts of the world, I found it in different nationalities that people will try to nationalize the message. So they will take the message and then they will convert it over to the Zimbabwe way of thinking. Or they will convert it over to the southern way of thinking or the northern way of thinking. Instead of us all thinking the same way, we want to modify the message and say, well, this is the way we do. And I say shame on every one of us for trying to do that. It should be that we go back to the original family of God and when the Lord, the Lord give birth to 120 young ones on the day of Pentecost, that ought to give us a pretty good idea of the way the family does. Well, praise the Lord. Now watch, so Brother Bram takes his own family and he said, now we in our home, we live like Branham's live. Now of course I'm not a Branham, so I don't know how they lived other than just things that he said to us in tape, but it's very similar to the way that we do, no doubt. But yet they'd have their little rituals and the little things that they would do. Certain places that they liked to eat and certain things that they, you know, that they enjoyed going and doing this and that. Well, that was the way they did. Other people of the human race would say, well, I don't like that. I don't like to eat that and I don't want to do that. And people with that same mentality brings that right into the word. That's why we've got so many different denominations. That's why we're all split up in the message because people have brought their own personal family into the family of God so they divide, I don't want this, I don't like that, I don't need this. It's not really our say to say we want this or we want that. If God says it, then you just have to grin and bear it and just pray to you get that thing off of you that make you don't like what God likes. Because if God is in us, we should like and love the same thing that God loves. Is that right? Now we live in our home like Branham's live, you live in your home, the Joneses like the Jones live, and in the house of God, we live by the word of God. Now notice then, so he does not bring the differentiation and the different family traits and the different family names into the house of God and say, okay, you can be in the house of God, but you can still maintain your identity as a Methodist. Or you can be in the house of God and still maintain your identity as a Catholic. That's totally impossible. Because in the house of God, we live like God. Now, people many times are stumbled by hypocrites because they say, well, I know all kinds of people that come to Happy Valley or they come to Evening Light Church and this and that and the other and they ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Let me tell you something. I agree with you totally, but I ain't one of them. So don't you identify me with some hypocrite. Don't you identify the rest of the saints of God in this place or the rest of the saints of God around the world because God's got real genuine people that are not hypocrites. Do we have people that say they're part of the family? Yep, they do. And they are part of the church family, but it don't mean they're part of the family of God. So in the family of God, whether we are black, whether we are white, no matter what skin color we are, we are all part of the same family. And just in case you don't know it, when we all get to heaven, everybody there is not gonna be white people. When we get to heaven, everybody there is not gonna be black people. Everybody's not gonna be Native American or they're not gonna be Chinese. The Lord God made them the way he wanted them to be here. If I was a black man, I would be proud to be a black man. If I was an Apache, if I was a Cherokee, I'd be proud to be what God made me. God wanted me to be one of the sorriest races on the earth, the white race. Come on now, if you'll listen to the prophet of God, he blasted the white man way worse than any other race. He called the white man a renegade. 
Show, show me where he called the black man that. Or the Native American. Come on, you white people, say amen. Don't you understand, you white people that are born again? You are a miracle. Because you have a prophet of God calling our race a bunch of renegades. It's the way of the white people to destroy God's way. It's the way of the white people. Oh, don't sit there and look at me and get quiet. God allowed all three sons of Noah down to the dispensations of time to have their course to rule over the earth. And all three of them proved none of them could do it. None of them. Ham's people, Sham's people, Japheth's people. None of them can rule. The first one was Ham, which was the black race. The first international racial kingdom was the black people over the earth. They proved they could not do it. They proved the same thing in Africa. God allowed the white people. They proved they cannot do it. Look at the kings of England, the kings of Ireland, the kings of Scotland. Look at how they were in their royal pedigree. What were they? A bunch of devils. That's right, but God, hallelujah, is breeding a new race. Amen. God is breeding a new race, and they will reign on the earth, and they will reign in righteousness because it's the race of Jesus Christ. In the house of God, we live by the word of God. And everyone that proceeds us out of the mouth of God and any other fraud, we won't listen to him. So whether he denies Malachi 4 or Ephesians 4, they're a fraud. So that's why we have places to sit around today in the message, and what they do, they sit there and we introduce now our pastor, and they turn on a pipe. So how long has it been since you've seen your pastor? As a matter of fact, your pastor said whenever he was here, I'd never make a good pastor. Well, come on now, you won't hear that tape, but I push play and that's what I hear. I'll never make a good pastor, but God has called men to be such. Why do we have that? Because we have people that say they're in the family of God and they divide the word, they cut the word, they splice it, they make it fit under whatever they want it to say under the guise of revelation. Oh, I've got a revelation. Any revelation that you and I have that is contrary to the scripture or the message is a revelation from hell. No revelation from God will ever go contrary to his word. In the family of God, we act like God. In the family of God, we believe every word. Whether we can understand it or not, we still say amen. Notice this. Let's look at the body. Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. Now remember, you're not one member of Jesus, the humanity. You're one member of Christ, the anointed Logos. First Corinthians 12, 12, for as the body is one 
and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ, anointed Logos. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. So there's only one way to get into this family. Born again. Now, July the 9th, 1956, there was a little baby boy born to my mama and to my daddy. All the 65 years that I've been into their family, none of them have ever asked me to join it. Here says my brother Harry tonight, the third child, today rather, Harry's never said, Donnie, would you please join our family? The sister between me and him, his name is Tammy. Tammy has never asked me, Donnie, would you please join our family? We want you to be a part of our family, even if they all ganged up against me and said, we don't like you anymore. We don't want nothing else to do with you anymore. I'm still part of their family. Now why? That's so simple, is it not? Because I was born into that family, amen? I came from my father into my mother and through the joining of them together, I came forth a human being. How much more is it the family of God? Oh, you say so-and-so don't like me and so-and-so don't like me. Oh, friend, just ignore it. It's just a bunch of chatter, chatter, chatter. It makes no difference. Sometimes even bride get that old attitude on them. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. Just ignore them and pray for them and go right on knowing that you've been born to the kingdom of God and nobody can take your place no matter how small, how insignificant you feel you are today. There is nobody in this building or nobody around the world can take your place. You are special. You are important. You are unique in the eyes of God. For by one spirit, one spirit, are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. Can I have a few more minutes? Watch this. If a born again spirit of a man is wrapped in the blood cell of the Son of God, and God can no more deny you and he could deny himself, for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body and become partakers of the same spirit that's in this blood cell. You see, when God encapsulated himself in time and created this holy blood, the spirit was in this blood. So the blood cell must be broken in order to release the life of God. Not the chemistry now that we say, oh, we're under the blood. We're under the blood. We're under the blood by a symbol. There's not enough blood in the body of the Lord Jesus for every one of us to have natural blood on us. It's the spirit, the life without measure. And the church is wrapped as God, Lord children, as God wrapped himself in a blood cell in the womb of Mary. God wraps you in the blood cell of himself. Lord Jesus. And the church is wrapped into the blood cell of the life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then we are sons of God, joint heirs of Jesus Christ in the kingdom. 
You okay with that one? Some of you are still trying to process it. Well, let me give you another to process with it. Cross the mystery of God revealed. The church is the blood of Christ by the Spirit. Because the life is in the blood. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that baptizes us into his body. That recognizes only his body, his flesh, his word. Acts of the Holy Spirit, we are baptized into the temple of God, into the body of God, into the body of Jesus Christ. And we're in Christ by Holy Ghost baptism, 1 Corinthians 12. And therefore, no condemnation to them that's in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. That walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. They desire spiritual things. They don't care about fleshly things. My flesh says I'm too tired. My spirit says you're not. I'm your boss. Follow me. Praise God. Notice Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You see, it's the great mystery of how we're all, all concluded together, but we do not lose that individuality. But whenever we go to setting that we are the most important in the body, then we've lost that unity. Ephesians 1.22, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things in the church, which is his body. Paul, are you sure you're going to say these next words? The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is the fullness of of him. When the Lord Jesus was here, the fullness of the Godhead bodily was in that one man. The fullness of the Godhead bodily is on the earth today. Not in one person, but in this mystical body of Jesus Christ. This is why we need one another. You're more of me. I'm more of you. And what are we? More of him. Don't you understand? God has so orchestrated this that he is not complete without us. How did he do it? When he encapsulated himself in time. He included us beings that were of time and so wound his program around us that he is not complete without us. Notice, which is his body? The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Christ voluntarily subjecting himself to this position to be our head and in doing so made himself that for 2,000 years he will not even be able to be crowned until his wife is brought there with him in glory. He will risk, if you wish to choose to use that word, he would risk his entire glory, his entire program in the way that man would look at it, man would never do such a thing. Man would never place such a risk of an entire kingdom on failing humans. But the Lord God had such confidence in his word, not our flesh. 
in his word, not our flesh. But you say, I risk my glory. I risk my fullness. I risk the entirety of my personage. And I'll wait for 2,000 years for my bride to be complete before I'll enter into my full glory. You see, in this respect, we have the honor of Christ, which makes his body complete. You know the prophet tells us what? He's choosing a bride of April 25th, 29th, something like that, 1965, that anybody knows that the body of Jesus is not yet finished. Well, I reckon not. I wasn't in it. 1965, some of you wasn't in it. But praise God, she's getting close today, brother. You imagine the church is the completion or the filling up of his power in the fullness. Without this dominion, he would not be reflected. Can you, can you imagine in your mind the distant worlds and as man keeps on going with Hubble and all these things out there, they're finding more. Oh my, the vastness of the universe is becoming overwhelming. Worlds without end. And yet he chose not to pull the fullness and the stars. The stars are still expanding. The solar system, the stellar system, oh my, and the galactic circle and all that going on. And it's still expanding. If he had chose to put that fullness there and man would have looked up and said, oh, what glory, what brilliance. But God instead chose frail, weak, with them human beings. Praise be to God. And they will make his empire complete. You see, she, the church, is the continued revelation of his divine plan of eternal life in human bodies. Praise be to God. Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit even as you are called and one hope of your calling. Verse 15, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. So it ain't joined together and just loose. You know, loose here and loose there, but it's all joined together. And then people think they don't need us and think we don't need them. When people get this isolationist idea, friends, it's totally contrary to the word of God. God made us as a body. Can you imagine your foot saying, I no longer need to be attached to the heart. You'll die. Imagine 1964 until our brother Random telling the people that it got saved in those meetings on the West Coast. And the life service, Brother Ram tells them, now those of you that have given your heart to God, be sure and find a home church for you will die. You will die without a home church. Oh, I don't, I don't, oh, you're looking at you. It's not just about you. 
If you're a part of the mystical body of Christ, there ought to be something in you that wants to be a part of the local body if there's one near you. Oh, let's stand together. Let me finish this scripture. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint, every joint supply us. So this one here, I'm glad I've got this. Wouldn't it have been strange if God would have made us with our arms not bendable? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to eat. But look how many bending parts God put in you to make it easier to eat, to walk, to move. Can you imagine getting in and out of bed if you didn't have flexible joints? Can you imagine trying to put on your shoes, your socks? Can you imagine trying to do things? Now the joints, oh my, for those of you that's had them replaced, you know how important they are. Right. And God likened his mystical body to the same, that they are attached to one another and they need one another. And what does it do? Paul went on to say, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So what does therapy do? When people get a joint replaced or something going on, what does therapy do? Therapy is a lot like preachers. You go in there and you can't move, you know, and say, now we hate to tell you this, but we're gonna have to hurt you. Yeah, it sounds like a preacher, doesn't it? (laughs) Now we don't mind therapy as long as it don't hurt. We wanna be better, but who wants, ah! That's therapy, well that's preachers. You see, when we go to the house of God, we're getting spiritual therapy on our joints. God knows some of you froze up so bad, it's gonna take me a lifetime. But what do we do? We get moved around and we see the need and you're retraining the brain. Your brain is such a magnificent organ that God put there. Thank God they found out therapy many, many, many years ago that if one part of the brain is damaged that you're able to retrain and it will reroute and send those sensors and you're able to learn how to speak again or walk again. And some of you's got hurt and let down by preachers and this and that. But brother, sister, let God begin to perform some divine therapy on you. Just because you've got hurt by a preacher or a church don't mean all churches and all preachers are devils. You might need some preacher therapy to kind of get you to moving around a little bit. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I used to can worship God. I used to can praise the Lord, but I'm feeling pretty good this morning. Well, your therapy worked, didn't it? Notice the effectual working in the measure of every part. Every part has a range of motion, so it's called. A range of motion by which it will start moving. And you, this happens to you, that happens when Carol fell and broke her arm here a few years ago. And then they had to do the surgery and then the therapy and all that. And they started telling them, we want to get the range of motion back in. You'll probably never be able to do this and that and the other. But she said, that ain't what I'm accepting. I'm accepting God to bring deliverance for me and healing for me and the Lord did so. Did it take time? It did. For the range of motion to return. Oh, I'll tell you, whenever this bride gets totally therapized. No, don't look in Webster. That's from the hills of Kentucky. When the bride finishes her therapy, she'll be so loose. I mean, she'll be ready for a body change. (laughs) 
Praise God when we get our therapy from the evangelist, our therapy from the pastor, and we get our therapy from the prophet. My, she'll be in the full range of motion, 360, come right back where she was in the beginning. Oh, thank you, Lord. And the church said, Hallelujah. Notice verse 16. Now, these verses follow after Paul tells us about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is what real ministry is given for right here. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, may increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You see, the circulatory system of this mystical body is love. As you know, in your body, you have the circulatory and emphatics and all these other things that's there. And each one of them, it's a system. And they're attached to certain parts. And they're all in the same body, but yet each of them identified in a breakdown, a subcategory by what's turned to this category and that category. Oh, if, 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 our, if our circulatory system is gifts, then only those who have gifts will be in the flow. But the circulatory system is love. So when the love of God, the divine love of God flows through every member like the circulatory system coming from our heart, pumping it. How many hundreds of times has your heart pumped while you've been here this morning? And it's pumped through your circulatory system. If we as Happy Valley Church, as also the mystical body, can love one another despite our faults, despite our failures, and we're all faulted, we know that. But the circulatory system that flows through our body is not human judgment. It's not human perfection, but it's the love of God. Herein shall men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You know, it's been discovered that isolated babies, which are not held as much, coddled as much, Loved as much and talked to when they're tiny, tiny babies. They're left alone. They began to prove by studies that the social ability of that child will forever be affected. Many times they found sicknesses and diseases simply because of neglect. Some of you want to know what you can do for the body. Or maybe it's Inviting somebody to go out and eat with you sometime. Just making yourself friendly. Showing that you love one another. Shaking somebody's hand. Don't just get in your little huddle after church. You and your six more. But reach out beyond your little circle. Come on. We're members of a body. I know Emma and Eliana, whenever they were born, and they were born premature. And Emma was in there. A few days, several days, but Ellie was in there a much prolonged time. And because of my schedule being what it was, I visited her more than anyone. Which is just a little tiny thing. And whenever I would go in there, they would tell me, the nurses would tell me, speak to her. And they told Lance and Eric, it's very important that somebody is here to feed her, to nurture her, to help her. Hallelujah. I don't mind telling you. 
I need you. I need other minister friends. I need friends. When I ask you to pray for me, I'm not doing so because I think it's nice to do. I'm asking you with all of my heart. Brother Charlie Cox told me years and years ago one of the greatest regrets he ever had about being privileged to be a friend of Brother Branham was that Brother Branham would ask him to pray for him. And he said he thought, he don't need prayer. Why would he need him? I to pray for him. But he said he looked back, Brother Aaron, and realized Brother Branham, out of sincerity, was asking for prayer. Praise God. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for the ministers of our church? The ministering brethren around the world? Will you take it upon your heart to pray for those that are sad in our congregation? Those that are sick? Those that are fighting diseases? You're wondering what you can do? There's so much you can do. What about some of you young people? You want to do something. What about visiting some of these folks that are shut in? Take a guitar. Singing a few songs just to let them know you love them. Or do we want to do something great? Does everybody have to be up here in front of the cameras? Is this what everybody wants? When a man stands here, he has a worldwide audience. A worldwide audience. You may wonder sometimes why I don't get young preachers and just throw them right up here from around the world. That's one of the reasons. When a man stands here, he has a worldwide audience. Worldwide exposure. I can expose him to worldwide calls, but does that mean his nature is gifted already for worldwide exposure? Not necessarily. So does everybody want to be in front of the cameras? Or can we do it when nobody sees us but Jesus? That's a real body, friends. Don't you want to be what God's made you to be? You see, it's the same with babies that are left alone, people that are left alone in the message. They don't grow right. They don't become mature. Many of them become self-righteous. We're better than everybody else. <laughs> we don't make no mistakes here. I've been told people that do nothing, don't. How can you minister to the body and pray for the body when you know nothing about them? You never hear a preacher. You never hear prayer requests. All you know is you're for and no more. So is that what your idea is of heaven? That it's your four going in the rapture or all of you is going in the rapture and your four will be the closest ones to the throne of God and all the rest of us will pick up your garbage. I'm afraid heaven is no such a place. Why would we want to go to heaven when we're all living in the same city if we can't stand to be around one another in this life? Oh, Jesus. But they say babies who are handled, babies who are loved, babies who are talked to. And I don't mind telling you, for years in Eliana Reagan's life, I was about her favorite person. Now she's a teenager, and well, you know how that goes. But I was her favorite person. She's still got pictures of me and her sitting in her, in her room. Why? 
Something about them early weeks spent with her formed a bond between us. Oh, my. May that be with us as the people of God. Maybe just a wee little child that might need a little finger to hold on to. And you think they're such a past. Oh, the Lord, here he comes again. Oh, goodness. But maybe he really, really needs you. Somebody that will love him and pray for him. Can we do it, saints? Look, you're not doing this for me. You're not doing this for the benefit because you think, oh, this will help Brother Donnie. No, no, no. This is not just going to help Brother Donnie. This is going to help us as a body. Let's pray together. Praise God. You see, truth unites, but lies divide. Love unites, but selfishness divides. So you see people pulling away and pulling away from the body and all of that. What is it? Selfishness. And it divides. Heavenly Father, thank you for the service today. We went from one extreme to the other. We went from eternity out across the horizontal rainbow. And you wound right back up on our faults. Well, it seems like you do that a lot, Lord. But the prophet said, that's why we come to church, is to hear our faults. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us today. Begin with me, Father. Even though I'm a preacher and I'm standing before these people to declare the words of life, I'm as faulty as any of them here. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord, that I will not be selfish, self-centered. Help me, O Father, that I can live my life for others. I don't know why it is, but some men, when they get older, that's when some of them have fallen. And they've got stuck on their self or women or whatever. Lord Jesus, keep me by your grace. Keep me, Father, I pray. I need you, Lord. Father, may some of our sisters, they may think, Lord, they're ugly and they're they don't dress like the world, and their hair is not like the world. They think, what can I do? But Lord, may they realize what a great treasure they are to their husbands, to their families, to their children. What a great thing a godly mother is to a son and daughter. What a great thing a godly wife is to a husband. As the prophet said, she's not always trying to bleed him of everything, but my, he said whenever he comes in from work, she meets him at the door. He said, any man knows there's nothing that can comfort a man like a wife can. Put her arms around him and say, I know you've had a bad day. And then some of our women want to do something for God. And that man that they live with, they're married to, is one of the greatest ministries they'll ever have because they're ministering to their husband. Them little children that started out, they were so dependent upon mama when they become teenagers and older, mama's heart becomes a little tethered because of that. They don't feel that closeness that they did, but they need them then more than ever before. They need mama's love, mama's watchful eye. We don't stop ministering because they become teenagers. We just move over into a different phase of that ministry. Help each of us, Lord. 
made the people understand when the prophet said it. Every member of the body has a ministry. A ministry, not so much a preaching ministry. Every member is not a preacher. But ministry means that the Spirit of God is able to minister through them. Some it'll be singing. Some it'll be music. Some it'll be preaching. Some it'll be a kind word. Or maybe a card that they just sit down and they write a card. Lord, how many has Carol sent all over the world? Hundreds, no doubt thousands of cards. And it's just something that you put on her heart. And I hear from it all the time. Preachers and people everywhere that she just sat down. and I'll see her at the table and she's sitting there kind of praying over it, what to write down. Just words of encouragement. Oh, she don't want to get in the pulpit and preach. She knows she ain't called to be no preacher. But Lord, you put something on her heart and it's an encouragement. I got a text from someone yesterday who had received a card and said how much they appreciated it. And we think it's got to be great big something. No, Lord. Every little joint supplies. Every little part of the body. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Can we just raise our hands today in the presence of our head? Now, if you are attached to the head, with all your heart, just ask Him, Lord, flow through me. Now, your hands were uplifted because your ears heard me say it. Instantaneously, it funneled that to a message into your brain. Your brain transmitted that energy to the sensors. Your muscles responded, and you raised your hands. If our brains can do that, what about the Lord Jesus? So if our brain can hear a preacher say it, and automatically, we don't have to even think about it. Some of you just instantly raised your hands. Your body responded, your brain reacted. The sensors, the impulse of your nerves, and your hands went up in the air. Oh, if we could hear the voice of the beloved Lord Jesus today saying, children, you want to do something for me? Love like I loved. Be like I was. Forgive like me. Love like me. Be kind like me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and cast your name out as evil. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. O great head, may that divine energy be released in our lives, Lord, that we can love, we can be like you, Lord Jesus. We can forgive, we can be merciful. Please, Father, help me. Help me, Lord Jesus. Flow through us today, Lord God. Flow through us, Lord Jesus. May our head flow through this assembly this morning to every member of the body that's been baptized in by the Holy Ghost. Mystical members of that body are around the world as they stream the service today. Father, may they also be ministered to, Lord. 
Oh, grant it, Lord Jesus. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Flow through me. Hallelujah. I will be your house to dwell in. Flow through me. Grant it, Lord Jesus. I will be that good Samaritan to someone else in need. Flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me. And I sing it this way, love through me.
Spirit Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you mind taking your hand and laying on every person? There's too many of you for me to come by and pray for you individually. You never know what that person come to church with on their heart today. You never know the burden, the despair, the sorrow, the emptiness they brought. Maybe a cry of desperation made as they were walking up the steps there on the porch. God, I need you to help me so bad today. Eagle to eagle, believer to believer. I want you to pray for them. I don't pray for yourself. Father, as your children today, Lord, we all know what it's like if we stump our toe. And Lord, though it may be so small, but the pain so rushes to our foot. Our hands not hurting, our eye, our ear. But, oh, God, we grab that toe up in our, in our hands and we just sit down and, oh, 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 and we baby that toe because it's hurting so bad. And our body is sending these pulsations of pain receptors through our body. And our, even though it's only focalized in that one spot, we feel the pain all over us. Oh, Jesus, make us that way as a spiritual body. If we hear of our brother and sister that's going through this or that or the other, help us, Lord, that we'll just want to rush to them as it were. Wrap them in the blood and the love of the Lord Jesus and say, brother, I'm praying for you. Sister, I'm praying for you. I love you. If we would do that to our toe, how much more ought we do it to one another, Lord? It's much easier for us to set off and criticize and well, they probably done it themselves. They got themselves into it. Well, maybe they did. I've sure gotten myself into a lot of fixes at times, but I'm so glad you didn't leave me when I got myself. Sometimes my greatest deals is my own stupidity and I'd have never got out of that mess if you hadn't come and helped me. What about Abraham's unbelief when he lied and denied his wife? He's the one who got Sarah in that fix in the first place. But it was the grace of God when Abraham couldn't get her out. The grace of God stepped in and got Sarah out of the mess. Abraham put her in. Lord God, your grace is so great to your children that you come and step in and get out of situations that we can't get out of to save our life. So help us not to be harsh and too judgmental to our brothers and sisters when they do likewise. Lord, when we need love so desperately, many times it's when we deserve it, when we deserve it the least. Oh God, we love you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Minister healing, I pray, Lord. Minister compassion. May the saints of God just get a fresh baptism of virtue today and feeling for one another, Lord God. I know this year that we've been through with COVID, it tend to make that, Lord, that feeling of separation, that feeling, oh God, we're for such a long period, people just streaming and wasn't even seeing one another. But Lord, that's not our norm. That's not who we are. We are people of church. 
We are people of assembly. We are people of love. We are people of virtue, knowledge, patience, temperance, godliness. That's who we are. Knit us together, Lord God. It will be through this great work of brotherly love that will be the final phase of the seven ads by which charity will set down on the top and that will rapture this bride into glory. Oh God, restore our brotherly love if we've lost it, Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Don't you love him today, children, with all your heart? Well, let me just go ahead and say, don't it make you love one another? Praise be to God. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship just a bit before you go? I know you probably got plans after church today. You're going there and doing this, but I guarantee you there ain't none of your plans is more important than us being together right now in the presence of the Lord. Let's sing a little something before we go together. Let's just rejoice in His presence a little bit. Makes me Praise love God. everybody. Amen. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Makes me
Religion. Give me that old time religion. 